Hello and welcome back to the Culture Creators Podcast. Today yeah. I have the great pleasure of speaking with Nilesh Makwana. Yeah. Nilesh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And thank you for having me here at your offices. Yeah, it's, uh, we're very privileged to have a beautiful office with the great view of the Swan River on it a, a Nunga land. We sit here. Indeed. And, uh, uh, so privileged to be be able to enjoy the great lifestyle the West Australian are experiencing, hmm. and, and the First Nation people have protected this land for a long time. So we are fortunate to be here and enjoy this beautiful land. We are. And the we? view on the office is amazing, as you can see. <laughs> yeah, particularly yeah. for two of us who didn't, yeah. who weren't born here, yeah, and yeah, migrated yeah. here. Indeed, indeed. So, for anybody who's not met you, I wonder mm -hmm. if you could just place yourself briefly, um, who you are, how you come to be here, and also if you could also do the same for Luminant Solutions as well for us. Sure. Uh, of course, my name is Nilesh Makwana, and, and I came to Australia as uh, like any other migrant through different pathways, but I came through international students' pathway. Yeah. So, 10 years ago, I came to study my master's program and with the intention that I'll be settling down here. Um, and as international students, uh, you know that uh, in a new country, it could be challenging sometimes with the new culture, uh, food you're missing, family you're missing and everything. And uh, they don't give you a job, although you might have some skill and experiences, but you are new to the city or town. But I was determined to not let anything stop me and uh, applied for ABN, Australian business number, mm -hmm. which anybody can apply online and uh, start a business. So I thought uh, instead of, uh, you know, uh, seeking a job, let's create jobs. <laughs> yes. And uh, I had a business card ready from day one. And, and before that, I was in England studying there as an international student. So I knew a bit of a British history, you know. Yes. And, and I thought uh, one thing I've learned from British Empire, like you can go to any country, just put your flag and you say, boop, 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 this is our <laughs> land, you know. So I thought uh, I'll come to Australia and say, here's my logo and here's my business card and boom, 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 I start my own business, you know. <laughs> yeah, just like that. <laughs> exactly, just like that. And then you go out there and sell and, and try to find a projects to, you know, do the projects, solve some problem. And if you find one client, do a good job, you have a second client, you, ha you do a second job, you, they refer you to the third one. And that's how it all started. So now mm. we are sitting on a business which is uh, national, uh, has a client base all over Australia. Mm. We have a lot of global recognitions, uh, some amazing awards uh, we received uh, from World United Nations Summit, World Summit Award to Microsoft Global Partner of the Year, National Award for Australian Computer Society and, and a few other, uh, also government award by West Australian government here, uh, plus local city, City of Perth awards, business news awards, a lot of wow. recognitions and everything happened. Uh, and the business is, of course, a technology business. We are a Microsoft partner. We, we look after uh, uh, non-for-profit sectors and mining sector now. Uh, we are in private and non-for-profit sector where we have designed some solution based on Microsoft technology. Mm. And, and that's uh, making a huge impact. But I think the most story about Illuminance is about our people mm. and about our culture, which is the differentiator. Yes. Uh, so I came as an international student, started a business, and, and here we are 10 years later, uh, 
running a successful business and hiring more migrants like me and then creating a pathway for them to succeed, whether it's the uh, refugee, international students, working mom coming back from maternity leave, or it's a semi-retired people, or indigenous First Nation people, or it's a people with disability, uh, you, you, any, any sort of people at the end, they're all the same, right? There is the same blood. <laughs> yes. It's red. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, uh, yeah, so we, have a, we don't have a diversity quota, we don't have a, any agenda, we don't have any uh, policy mm. uh, of diversity inclusion. It's just the way of life here. Yeah, and, you don't and, need to. No, no. So that's, that's our business and, and we're proud to have our, some amazing people who does a great job here. Mm. And we have built a good culture and good team. So I'm, I'm quite fortunate and proud and lucky that uh, we managed to do that within 10 years. And, and uh, this is just the start, you know. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot straight away. Yeah. Um, if you were to use a metaphor, how would you describe the culture here? Uh, I would say humanity. Yeah. Yeah. One word. Humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what uh, we are all human, mm. and we all have the same desire. Uh, Maslow's Maslow's hierarchy is the same, you know, for everybody here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, except that we need good Wi-Fi as well, <laughs> because we are an IT company. Yeah. So yeah. You, yeah. If you have a good Wi-Fi, you have a good pay, and you have a good uh, clothing. We got yeah. branded clothing as well. We always have a food, multicultural food here. Yeah. So our uh, business here is. Uh, uh, humanity first and we all are from different culture different countries different age group but at yeah. the end of the day you are human and and you have the same desire they all want sense of respect sense of belonging they want a place where they can enjoy they can have fun they can be themselves and they don't have to be afraid of that I'm new or I have different accent or I'm old or mm. young or disabled they just feel that I can I can be comfortable here uh, and humanity is always prevails over everything else you know correct you can be different background religion culture doesn't matter different country where you look by end of the day you still want the same thing everybody wants iphone 14 <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants to have a new car or a good place to live uh, they want to have a holiday they want to have a, some sort of saving which for rainy days and and they want to learn new things and grow right yes so the desires are the same for everybody how do you continually ensure that that stays in place mm. as opposed to um, you know this is a business mm. it needs to make money mm-hmm. uh, and, and turn turn a profit mm. um, and one of the things I'm sort of trying to tease out in this podcast is how mm. do we balance those two things because obviously mm. I think many people have been in an environment where Humanity is put to one side, and mm. and performance and profit is is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, as the CEO, balance those two? Yeah, well, see, for for us, uh, profits are many different kind of profits, right? W- what's the profit? If you define that for yourself, then you mm. know how to balance that. Yes. So for us, profit is not just the uh, how much money you made end of every quarter or every financial year. That's mm. not just the profit. Mm. That might be accounting term for profit. Uh, profit could be that uh, you have created a healthy workforce and less people are calling in sick. That's also profit. Mm. Uh, you have a highly skilled and productive workforce which is turning up amazing work for clients and that's also could be profit. Mm. 
uh, you have a great culture and uh, great retention, which means you don't have a less, that big turnover. That could be also profit. Uh, you have a, a team member who are going beyond and above call of duty sometimes. That could also be profit. Mm. But when there is a financial profit, and if you are putting it back into the business where it belongs, uh, who created that profit? It's not the business. The business is made up of people. Correct. And if the people are the one who made this uh, business successful, then that belongs to them. So you put it back into cultural activities, food activities, team building activities, put a new uniform for everybody. Uh, you have a, a conference to attend and you send your team members there. They want to do some sort of uh, uh, activities which requires funding. You provide that funding to them. They say we want table tennis or we want more food in the fridge, uh, different milk item or different gluten-free bread. You put that in the table. They, they, they want different kind of fruits. They say, no, we need new devices for our business. Uh, I don't like this uh, chair. I want standing chair or standing table. Uh, I want a uh, little mat for my feet because my back is hurting. So you put that profit back into where it belongs because they are the one who worked for it. Yes. And, and if they're happy, that's it's your profit as well. circular field. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the defining profit uh, is not just that you end of the year you, you define in a monetary term. Mm. But if you reflect back end of financial year, you can say, wow, we onboarded two more people. We created more jobs. Uh, we have, of course, created more clients. We have happy clients, retaining clients. That's also profit because onboarding new client, new staff is not easy, right? But if, no, you, no. if you retain that, that's also your profit and everything and all. Mm. So I think uh, for us, the profit uh, is, is byproduct of uh, what you do. And of course, you need that money. But why do you need that money? Of course, you want to pay. Everybody wants to pay their mortgage. Everybody wants to have some sort of saving. They want to go on holiday. Uh, they, they want to be able to afford uh, something higher luxury item than they can. Uh, and the human desires are the same, right? Mm. Uh, but being greedy and being profitable, there's difference in there. <laughs> yes. So I would say that our organization uh, is not greedy. Uh, we are profitable, but not greedy. Mm. <laughs> and when you are profitable as a holistic profit rather than just the monetary profit, uh, then then you don't have to think twice. You know what you're doing on day-to-day -day basis because you are you are not just running towards one kind of profit. Yes, I, like I don't that. know if it makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. It, mm. it does indeed. I like this idea of a holistic profit. Mm. Mm. How um, how would you describe culture? I'm not sure how do you describe culture. I think I think culture is uh, uh, when when the things goes tough or wrong, when the crunches comes, when the uh, I think that's when the your culture shines or comes out. You know. <laughs> yes. When the things go get tough. Yeah, that's when it's revealed. Yeah, mm. that's when the true color comes out. <laughs> I saw uh, I saw a lovely meme many years ago about. Um, sport it's not that it creates character it reveals character yes so it's a similar sort of vein yeah so when the business is going through challenges and uh, has some people are mm. struggling or something then the, if you have a good culture they'll team up and they'll say you know what let's just get together mm. sort it out stick together be a team let's make this work yeah if uh, one team member is falling sick family has arrived something happened other team member says you know what i'll, I'll jump in and, and help you out so be a team that looks after each other and their own personal well-being mm. and uh, they 
not afraid of challenges they are afraid of, not afraid of uh, crunch time and uh, they they like to be kind to each other but that only can be revealed when the tough time comes you know <laughs> yes when things are going good it's a great culture <laughs> yeah <laughs> right so what you're saying is yeah so then the real cohesion of the culture and sort of it behaviorally reveals itself in those difficult times difficult time yeah so like when when the thing happened in australia pandemic mm. you know, one of the craziest thing was that everybody was rushing towards getting toilet paper yeah <laughs> <laughs> hoarding right yes and everybody was just buying more than they required that reveals some sort of society culture very true <laughs> very true and then there was those international students who didn't have any rights job keeper job seeker they were shelving the toilet roll so we can go and pick up that yes they were the one delivering the food keeping the lights on yes. they were the one doing security jobs so they can we can be safe in the hotel safeguarding them and everything right mm. so if you see that uh, the crunch time came and how society behaved that kind of reveals some of our culture we got here <laughs> yes i think um particularly when particularly when talking about the pandemic period mm. um one of the things that uh, a couple of the metaphors that i use around that mm. is on one level um so when when i went to school in england mm. and i did a levels um the year that I did maths A level I know mm. that everybody in the country sat mm. that same exam mm. so if I meet anybody from 1993 who did maths A level mm. we all know where we were mm. but as we go into life there's never really any of those tests and exams mm -hmm. and so when covid came along it was almost the test that everybody had to sit yeah and in that test this is where I'm going to mix metaphors mm -hmm. uh, in that test it was almost as if the tide went out and we could all see what everybody had got yeah how their um in relation to you know their roots into the ground their existential strength were they getting blown away and pulled pulled mm. away with the tide or were they still okay despite the fact the tide was going out that's right and in those moments that's when you can start to see what everybody has got yeah yeah um at that more existential level so, so we saw i saw some of the businesses started offering uh, free food to international students mm -hmm. uh, some of the temple uh, run by sikh they started offering free food some community organizations started helping senior citizens uh, mm. to help them buy essential items and everything so there was those amazing case studies where people came out of their mm. comfort zone and their own safety to look after the others in need yes. and, and and give back there and then there was those people came out and they said they want to hold as much as they can from the supermarket safeguard themselves don't care about anybody else and just literally stock up as much as you can from supermarket and that was that culture was revealed as well mm. <laughs> so both side of thing we saw you know yeah so i think for me culture is uh, what you do in the time of uh, crunches you know yeah <laughs> i think um again you know, th this is really interesting because it, yeah. it reveals a lot F for me um is my deep belief that our sort of our original sort of nature is that of carers we care for each other we care for the land although we don't seem to be doing a very good job of it at the moment mm. but intrinsically we care and some of the examples that led me to this conclusion were you know, I went traveling in South America in in 19 late 1990s 
Mm. And then El Nino took all the electricity and washed bridges out. And I was mm. stuck in a village for a while. And then all of a sudden, everybody put the money away mm. and everybody was making rice and chicken every day and we were mm. playing volleyball. And then when the electricity came back and the trucks came back, mm. everybody got the money out mm -hmm. again and everyone was on their own. And so it's that sort of when the surrounding pervasive culture, mm. when the spell is broken mm. for a period of time, then that reveals our real caring nature. Yeah, how good society you are or yeah. how as a team you are, yeah. But at the same time, we have to recognize that the sort of the overlaid pervasive culture that takes us away from our, nat our nature is one that encourages to be individualistic, competitive, hierarchical. Yeah, yeah. So that's when we see the toilet paper grabbing. Yeah, so in, in a business terms, uh, you know, we live in a uh, capitalist society where mm. everything runs around business engine, successful government makes money out of GST and taxations and everything. And we we tend to look at business as uh, profit making money, uh, pay salary, creates mm. jobs. But what if business has its own eulogy? Uh, mm. So, so uh, when people die, they talk about your eulogy, not your resume, right? So they yes. say that you were a good father, good neighbor, good son, good colleague, good friend. Uh, we remember you because of your community work you did. They won't say that you were a listed CEO or you had uh, raised this much capital from Silicon Valley yeah. or you created this algorithm which uh, won uh, this award. No. Uh, they, they won't talk about that. They'll talk about your how you made people feel and how the society related to you or people relate to you. And that will be a eulogy, right? Now, what if the same thing was for business? I like this. That business was more about uh, doing good in the society and if the business ceases to exist tomorrow and uh, people want to talk about this business then they'll say hey that business actually looked after these people yeah it helped a lot of migrants it helped a lot of people with disability create employment it uh, had a good partnership and put it back in the society uh, it, it it grow grew quite nicely sustainability but along the journey they did some good community work hmm. uh, they had created some solution which helped the society or not-for-profit sector uh, that business uh, was quite uh, different. Uh, I wish uh, it would still exist, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, what would the what would the staff say? People who've been employed. Yeah. What would the clients say? Yeah. And what would the surrounding community? We'll talk about that business. Yeah. 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 What would an interesting one would be? What would the partners of the employees and the clients say about the business as well? Because yeah, yeah. more often than not, they hear a lot about. It. That's right, that's right. So I, I feel that you can build the eulogy for your business mm. uh, and uh, uh, people will remember you for the things you did in the business rather than just the how much end of the year you made. <laughs> yeah, I like that. To what degree did the experience of um, integrating into British culture and then Australian culture mm -hmm inform you in creating this? Yeah, so look, uh, I, I feel that when I left India as a, as a teenager, I had inheritance diversity in my mind. W what it means by, I grew up watching movies, televisions, advertisement in India, where I saw that 
HBF and star movies, uh, the black comedy African was mafia or gun crime and they were the shown as the bad people. Even in Indian movies, if you have a villain, he's usually dark and tall and ugly looking, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. And they give you that uh, narrative that it's, mm. it's a villain, it's a, it's a bad person. And then they give you people with disability in India, when I grew up was, uh, they've been punished because they did some bad karma, bad religious act or something. Now in this life they've been given this disability or whatever. Yeah. And you usually hide them into room, don't bring it out and, and you don't see them as uh, equal citizens or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is just a few example of uh, things which I learned mm. growing up because of the media and movies and everything. But then I went to UK yeah. and I saw that uh, how people with disabilities were given access to toilets and ramps and uh, they had a special uh, signals and uh, amazing facilities for them. And there are different kind of disabilities, not just physical disabilities. Mm. So I learned that actually it's quite amazing that how the, the UK sees uh, people with disability as, as equal citizen. Mm. And Australia has NDIS, National Disabilities Insurance Scheme, where they want to have uh, people as a choice and power and control. So those were acquired diversity. I yeah. learned about that. Same, I had a lot of classmates around the world in my school in UK, in Australia here. They were from all over the world. Some of them were African, others. And I saw that they're all the same, actually. It's just a different color, different yeah. eyes or different food or different accent, but they're all the same human being, you know? Yeah. So I can't stereotype them and everything and all. Yeah. Uh, so that was acquired diversity. Then I traveled the world and I went to 54 countries because I had a staff travel with uh, KLM Royal Dutch Airline where I worked in uh, wow. Heathrow Airport in London and, and I abused the staff travel, right? <laughs> so, Why so, not? Yeah. So went to 54 countries and every country I visited, including South America, Japan, Canada, uh, Romania to Europe to Asia, Thailand, every country, right? I learned that the society is the same everywhere. They all want the same thing. <laughs> yeah. The humanity at the end is still the same thing, Maslow's mm. hierarchy, you know? Uh, everybody likes different kind of sports, different kind of uh, festival or game, uh, different kind of food or tea or drink. Uh, but but it's still end of the day, underneath. underneath is still the same, right? So I, when I came to Australia and this business, I had to apply that mindset, global mindset, that we are human, we are all one. Uh, uh, and, and in our Australian anthem, we say we are many, but we are one. What does it really mean? <laughs> yes. It exactly mean the same thing, you know? Yes. Uh, you, you cannot achieve diversity by replacing white uh, female white male with white female, that's not diversity. <laughs> no. So you have to think as a core, as a humanity, and mm. then on top of the humanity, it could be everything. It could be different gender, different culture, different religion, LGBTQI plus community. You have uh, 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 people with disabilities or senior citizens, semi-retired, you have mom, you have a refugee, you have international students, you have migrant. All kind of people are there, but underneath, they're all human at the end of the day. Yeah. And I learned all this by traveling, learned all this by uh, experience. So I would say there is a difference between inheritance diversity and acquired diversity. Yes. And does it mean that I'm now diverse enough? Not really. I, I, I still don't think that I'm, diversity is a journey, it's not a destination, which means mm. you can never be fully diverse. Uh, recent example, I had to hire a Pakistani developer 
and he is uh, from Pakistan, I am from India, he is Muslim, I am Hindu and between India and Pakistan the cricket is a huge thing. <laughs> yes. And uh, in a movie in Bollywoods and others it's like uh, spy stories and you know war yeah. stories and everything there. So I'm interviewing and I'm in a position, powerful position where I have to interview this guy and my internal bias are kicking in. Yes. And I'm like, should I hire him, not hire him, what should I do? And I had to remind myself during that table conversation that, hey, you're looking at the programmer. <laughs> yes, and in the human program. Yeah, yeah, who has a skill and he's got the work, working rights. <laughs> yeah. So we need that skill. Simple as that, you know, you can't think anything more than that. Hmm. Uh, and then uh, recently, uh, I, I was given opportunity to speak on the stage about employing people with disabilities and everything. And I thought, huh, I know everything, how to create space for wheelchair users, uh, uh, how to give them the big screen if they are visually impaired. Uh, so I thought, I, I'm inclusive enough in our business to create that safe space for them to come and work here and everything. But until friend of mine, uh, he's Santiago, his name is, and he's from Colombo, uh, no, uh, Colombia, sorry. He's from Colombia and he invited me to play hockey with him, wheelchair hockey on, mm. on wheelchair. So for the first time I sat on a wheelchair with him playing hockey and I was part of their environment, the way they live and play and, and do yeah. things. And then I went to shopping with him and I realized that they actually don't have a uh, changing room. and. It's very difficult for them to change and try out clothes and everything. So they have to buy as much as they can, go back home, try things out and return and come back and everything and all. Yeah. And then I had to book a ticket for him as a companion card holder to one of the concerts we wanted to do. And digitally it was so difficult. Uh, there is a special line, phone line where you can, it's called accessibility line. And I waited for one hour, uh, 54 minutes. Second time I waited one hour, 40 minutes. Third mm. time I waited 40 minutes, no answer. Then they want me to email them to book a companion card for wheelchair user for that concert hall ticket. And they're assuming that if I'm a person with disability, I can email and I can download the PDF, fill it out, uh, scan yeah. it and send it back again. So it took me two weeks to book a ticket for him, hmm. just for the companion card wheelchair user through the concert. So when I started realizing all these things, that's when I realized that actually I, I don't know enough about how to be diverse or inclusive for people with disability. Yeah until I became part of their journey and life and everything, yeah. you know, right? So we think right. that we are diverse, we think we are inclusive, we think we know enough about, uh, you know, how to create a safe space for mm. them. But unless you are in their shoes, unless you have experienced something, unless you go deeper, uh, you wouldn't know. And there is new, new things to keep learning. Mm. So I, I think uh, uh, for me, it's a journey and I'm still discovering and, and mm. you can never be fully diverse and biases are always going to kick in, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you don't realize when your biases kicks in. And I really like that, you know, you might think you know, uh -huh. but until you actually experience. Yeah, yeah. And it's a funny story. When I meet a lot of people, they say, oh yeah, we are very diverse. My husband is from uh, Sri Lanka and, you know, my my girlfriend, uh, uh, sorry, my, my girl has a boyfriend from India. We are very diverse and everything. And I love curry, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's diversity for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's a, it, it is a movement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's the start along a journey. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's diversity, I think, is internal, not external. Hmm. It's, it's not how many people, colored people you got or how many disabled people you got or what quota systems you have. No, no, it's, it's internal. It's internal to you, your mindset, yeah. how you feel internally. 
So how in the in the environment of a business where you know particularly you know, you're coming up with creative solutions and um, rolling them out, how do you go about um, providing space for all mm. that diversity to come together? Mm. Because it's you know the thing that's popping up in my head now is you know, there was a pivotal moment when my daughter was about. 18, 18 months, two years, and she was trying to push this ball, oh. uh, a big one of those big sort of exercise Swiss balls, trying to push it forwards, but it was there was a step in the way, and she's pushing, 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 and I thought to myself, I could lift the ball up and she'd be on her way, mm-hmm. and I thought, but if I do that, I take her power away, <coughs> so I've got to let her figure it out, and I had to sit there oh. and watch her for five minutes, and get really mad. And the point I'm trying to make is it's very easy to come in and just tell people what to do, mm-hmm. you know, ha- but how do you create space and how do we get things done mm. when we have such a diverse range, you know, because it's yeah. always that easy, well, if we all just think the same and do the same thing, then yeah, we yeah. can smash stuff out really quickly, but then we don't get the creativity, we don't get yeah, yeah. The, the newer solutions. What? For me, it's not coming, stopping anything. So it's like mm. a river, right? So uh, right. You, you don't want a river to stop. Yeah. Let you stick it, a rock in it or a yeah, Yeah, let it create its own flow. So c- culture or diversity or ideas of creativity is that, uh, let me give you an example. Mm. Uh, we had this gentleman who came to me through visibility uh, which is the non-for-profit here they they look after visually impaired people and he is legally blind 98 percent lost his vision wanted to come and volunteer do work experience here i said no we'll give you a part-time job Uh, if you do well uh, we'll keep you otherwise we'll have to let you go after six months probation Hmm. Uh, within six months he did a good job as a project manager he became full-time and along the journey, he started working on making sure the systems can be accessible to visually impaired people. And he wanted to add a few things into the culture and mix here where we, we learn as a team about visually impaired people, how they interact, what they do and everything. Mm. And our system, which we designed for NDI sector, a CRM system, is, is can be accessible for visually impaired people. And now it's deployed for Royal Society of Blind in South Australia and they're using the system. And uh, now we have another, cust- uh, we had a hearing impaired person here as well and, and here and say is our client in Brisbane now and we are working with them and everything. Mm. So uh, another gentleman came uh, from China. He wanted to do a Chinese uh, New Year festival here, do traditional uh, uh, way to celebrate and everything. He asked for a budget. I said, sure, what budget do you require? He said, this much money would be enough for me to create a nice celebration. I said, sure, go ahead for it. Uh, one of our lady here from, uh, uh, Slovakia, uh, Serbia, sorry, she's from Serbia. Uh, she says, I want to put a flag uh, all over the office uh, of different countries we have and everything. I said, sure, put it up there, no problem. Uh, another person comes and says, hey, why don't we uh, create a solution uh, internally for uh, uh, timesheet entry, uh, which is uh, newly designed and easy to access, and they want to improve system which they don't like, sure, go ahead. Yep. Uh, so there are so many different suggestions comes either cultural building activities, product improvement, uh, mm. office uh, layout improvement. All you have to do is not stop them. 
Yes. Not come in their way. Yes. And uh, let it flourish. Let it flow, uh, <laughs> flourish. Yeah. Let, yeah. And, and many times you don't have to create culture. You can't create culture. It is organic. It happens. Yes. Uh, only thing you can do is not to kill it. Yes. Uh, so not to... Allow it to self-organize. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and if, if it's something is going good, end of the day, everybody is happy, things are working. Of course, you have to step in when there is a sign of discrimination, for example. It's like a plant, right? If you see a, some bug coming in and might destroy the plant, you want to remove that bug. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you want to make sure the plant is healthy. Yes. And and you don't want to overwater it either by overcaring it, controlling it. Yeah. As as a management, uh, you could you could kill that as well, mm. <laughs> right? Uh, and you want to safeguard it by making sure that it's uh, uh, there is no uh, contamination or bug is coming to kill the plant or whatever. Mm. And you want to protect that as much as you can. But at the same time, you don't have to worry about uh, looking after it because there are other people who can look after the plant mm. as well. And the plant will grow. The plant will grow anyway because that's what it's here to do. Yeah, exactly. And so the organisation. I've. I've been writing about this quite a bit. Orga I, I view organisations as living entities mm. as opposed to a machine. Yeah. And as a living entity, it will grow. It will grow. It will, will self-organise. Yeah. We as a business never thought that we would be national business and we would be sitting in a client portfolio where 60% of our clients are outside WA. Mm. We haven't done anything in terms of marketing, conferences, events, uh, advertising, anything over East. Mm. And we did one project in Adelaide, second one came, third one came, fourth one came. We did one in Sydney, second one came, third one came. Now we did in business one, second, third client came and business is now growing organically out there mm. and not only growing we have people joined us from Adelaide he was our client and now he joined us as a, a lead for our practice there so even the staff is talent is attracting yes uh, is attracting its partnerships is attracting the client base and is growing organically without us doing much of course you have to deliver on your promise of course you have to uh, yes. uh, deliver what you're charging for <laughs> yes. client is not going to pay invoice unless you you're doing what you're supposed to do and everything yeah uh, and in australia you don't have to be highly innovative you just have to offer a good customer service mm. <laughs> uh, our bar is very low in many ways here <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, i agree with you especially if you look at the cafes or hospitality sector yeah uh, you hardly find a clean table Mm. And you have to order your own coffee and bring your own water. Yes. And and uh, they will charge you extra for every little things you demand or create. Mm. Where you go to Asian culture over there, uh, they'll give you extra stuff without you asking. Mm. And one coffee shop in Perth, uh, uh, where I went yesterday, uh, the gentleman just put two cakes uh, for coffee I ordered. And, and he didn't even say uh, charge or anything. He just, he, he's the two extra... Uh, cookies uh, cake for you uh, without us asking or charging anything and that was a generous uh, of him mm. right uh, so I see some examples of good customer service mm. good uh, uh, building uh, community and relationships and everything and if you if you deliver do a good job go a little extra mile yeah uh, then you are a winner you know yeah, yeah, yeah you are growing as a business doing good because end of the day people wants to feel valuable they want to feel uh, that they're receiving value for money uh, they're not taken for a ride or taken advantage of. <laughs> mm, yeah. You know, an IT sector can be sometimes be uh, cost center, not a 
cost saving center. IT is supposed to be a cost saving center, not a cost center. Yes. You know, uh, so if you have that sort of philosophy and business is doing good, uh, people are happy, culture is happy, the business grows organically mm. and you don't have to do much to kind of go in certain direction, it will create its own life, you know. Mm. Super. Oh. One of the um, last questions I ask all my guests mm -hmm. is what's the one thing about culture that we're not talking about that we should do? Hmm. Well, I feel that we want to be too much politically correct and not have the safe space for honest speaking, you know. Hmm. Uh, I, I like to create culture where people are not, sh should not be afraid of speaking the truth. Hmm. What's in their heart, you know. Yes. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, that doesn't matter. Yeah. But at least they have an opportunity to hmm. speak up. <laughs> Why do you think hmm. we find that so difficult? Because we're so afraid. It's, it's for example, uh, let me give you this example. I went to Broome to deliver training for indigenous community for digital literacy training, uh, teaching them basics of computers, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Teams, internets hmm. and everything. This lady, he, she works there for 20 years in a Broome campus there in university. She says, Nilesh, uh, uh, 23 people have signed up. And uh, if you get two, three people come for the training, you'll be lucky. But you have come all the way from Perth with three, four volunteers, don't have high expectation. I said, even if one person joins, I'll be happy, no problem. 19 people turned up for the training and we finished with 23 people. The more yeah. people joined next day. And those two days we had a great engagement. We teach them different things. Uh, we had an assignment called storytelling through PowerPoint. Everybody created a PowerPoint slide deck, five different slides and they had to present and everything. We gave them the certificates. We had a joint video. Uh, they went on to a photo together for the media press uh, article. Uh, we had a great time and then we went out for dinner at the end of it. So the lady comes to me and says, Nilesh, uh, that was great engagement you had for this committee and there was no dropout and more people joined. How, how the hell did you do this? And did you have a culturally appropriate services training or something? I said, no. So how did you make this engagement happen? I said, nothing. What did you do different? I said, that's the thing. I didn't do anything different. I didn't even do welcome to country. I just went there, spoke to them, asked them yeah. what we would like to learn. And in between breaks, we had a conversation with them and we personalized the training. We didn't have a set set of scripts or agenda that this is what we're going to teach. Uh, we had some ideas, but we at the same time stayed flexible that what they might want to learn. And somebody was funny, said, I want to learn how to find a, a winning lottery tickets on internet, you know, <laughs> yes. and everything. Somebody says, I want to find about uh, my ancestors' history and where can I find the real example, whatever, how do I do research and everything. Yeah. So everybody had a different needs and we just yeah. had to tailor the tailor what they wanted to learn and focus on the learning. And somebody learns uh, uh, from one person to many in terms of delivery or somebody learns from one to one, which means you have to sit next to them and drive the mouse with them. So there's a different start of learning. You recognize that and you stay flexible yeah. and you deliver. So the, so the story why I'm saying is that you, you don't have to do anything different. Just be yourself and be honest. And, but when we start to create this uh, politically correct things and uh, mm. uh, just do for the sake of doing welcome to country, and you try to be uh, respectful on the surface, but underneath you are not, 
Yes. <laughs> uh, that's not a good culture, is it? No. Yeah. So you want to... Because that's the culture that then erupts when we have a pandemic and we, we think that we're short on <laughs> toilet roll. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you come across as a polite, generous and X, Y, Z, but then in underneath you are not. What's the point of that? So why can't we just... Uh, Mahatma Gandhi used to say that your belief becomes your thought, your thought becomes your action, action becomes who you are. Yeah. Right. If you control your belief, uh, your action will reflect that. And, yeah. you, and, and that's who you become, you are, yeah. right? So I, I feel that uh, we should have a safe space for everybody to express their belief, express their opinion, express their truth. And uh, Mahatma Gandhi, when he was having kheer, uh, which is a rice pudding with uh, uh, Mount Baton, who was sent by the queen to yeah. uh, divide the country, uh, after they had a long debate, he offered him a sweet uh, and said, try this out. You know, he said, I, he said, yeah, but I just had a robust conversation with you and I'm practically your enemy and you're offering me this kheer, which is a sweet. He said, yeah, but you are my guest here. Yeah. You know, you are my guest and, and I want you to share this uh, mm. sweet with you. And uh, end of the day, you are doing your job. I'm doing my job. <laughs> yeah. So we can still maintain the respect level. Yes. Uh, people can have a difference of opinion, difference of sports team. And we can. Uh, and we can uh, have a different way of style of uh, accent and uh, different country, different religion. Uh, 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 you might like Mac, I like PC. <laughs> you might be Android, I am iPhone. Yeah. Doesn't matter, right? We still, end of the day, we are human and yes. we are people and we need to respect each other. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's something which I like to see more. What we are not doing yeah. is, is being truthful who you are. And I would put forward that, you know, you, you talked about beliefs become thoughts, become actions. Yeah. And even underneath those beliefs, there is that we are all humans. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is where you started. That's right, that's right. This has been a great conversation, Nilash. Yeah, thank you, man. I've super <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah, same. I, I, thanks for creating a safe space to just tell you what I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what this is about. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you very much for your time. No worries. Thanks. Thanks for having me.